Hello, Internet. This is Chase Wassner, a.k.a. the Red Shirt King. Welcome to another very special edition of I, – I, should we just call this the Rough Drafts Podcast and just see what people think about the name? Let's do let's it. Just, yeah, let's just start with Rough Drafts for now and see what happens. Yeah, this is, this is Rough Drafts, where the only thing rougher than our pick band phase is our inability to settle on a title for this podcast. Um, I am, you know, I'm joined as always by my good friend, Walter Fedchuk. Walter, how are you doing, man? <laughs> that was perfect. That was like a perfect lead in line for that. Oh, I am. I'm doing pretty well. I'm, I'm doing a little bit better than, than, than Rocket fans are. But, oh you know. yeah. See, so this is the thing, right? We, we wanted to do this podcast for a while and we've said before, we didn't want to do any podcasts on the off season until it was all settled. And I would love to tell you that the fact that Rocket has gone into full emergency mode, literally lost everybody from our coach to every single player on our roster, and the fact that our potential roster, if we believe the Reddit detectives, is somehow worse than the projected roster for the Copenhagen Wolves challenger team. And I would love to say that we're going to spend time on that. I would love to tell you that we're going to spend time on the Immortals roster. I would love to tell you that we're going to spend time on a whole bunch of different uh, teams that have come together over the last couple of weeks, this new H2K roster and the signing of Forgiven and all of these fun things. But the truth of the matter is I can't think about those things right now because I care about this game as an eSport and I care about eSports in general. And if you do happen to care about League of Legends and eSports in general, this has been a really rough week and a half. And it starts with the Riot Korea versus OGN controversy. Walter, you have been on record on this podcast, and I and I have joined you on this, in this understanding that Riot has always kind of wanted to have more control over what it is they're doing. So let's start from here. What is it when we say that Riot likes controlling these aspects what are we referring to and what are the positives and negatives of it because there are some positives as much as we are going to harp on the negatives for the majority of this podcast what are where what do you see from here so so i've been i've been watching league of legends esports since the season one world championship and i think maybe the regional before it i I can't remember i just i clearly remember watching the season one world championship and like the absolute garbage production value that it had because you know, quite frankly, they didn't, it was like a $150,000 prize pool. They were in some like spare hall at DreamHack and like Freak was wearing a, uh, a, a polo with like the little Riot logo mm-hmm. on the corner. And, and the puns were actually funny because it felt very like underground fight clubby uh, <laughs> for someone who had never really been involved in esports or watched it in the past. So it was really cool for me to watch it then. In going into season two, you had all these different tournaments. You had MLG tournaments. You had IPLs, which were the greatest thing on the planet. You had like the Lone Star Clash down in Texas. You had all these ESL, IEMs, like all over the place. And you just, you didn't have a very structured system. It was kind of a lot like how last year it was with Dota and, uh, and Counter-Strike, where there was like one big championship and everything else was kind of like, you know, maybe, maybe if you won this certain championship, you get circuit points. They got you into the regional qualifier for the world championship. And then Riot looked at the entire infrastructure and kind of said, you know, wouldn't it be cooler and like more like a real sport if we actually ran a league and had all the players playing this league and, you know, had a, on, a, on a weekly basis, had them play a couple games and we got them all to play live. And like, wouldn't that be really awesome? And they did this. And it was really, really cool because they saw that OGN in Korea in season two 
did this as well, and it was really popular. And you had a couple of North American teams and European teams that went over in, in the, the two CLG rosters, uh, CLG NA and CLG U, the old frog and suit, like amazing Snoop A team. And they went over there and they did okay, but they decided that was a really great idea. So let's make a league. Let's do this. It's really awesome. We'll build up these 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 uh, teams and organizations that we made in CLG and TSM and Curse and Dignitas and they'll and Fnatic and they'll all fight against each other. And then that's really simple. We just take like the best couple teams from these leagues and they go to the world championship. Like makes our job super super easy. And then season three was pretty cool. They, there was a lot of trials and tribulations as they figure out what worked, how to how to get all the broadcasting right, how to find the right casters, and everything was going good. You had this, ex- and, and season three ended in SKT winning the world championship. And all of a sudden, Korea's popularity as, as a view, as League of Legends viewing, like, blew up. And everybody wanted to watch the, the, the Korean teams. Everyone wanted to watch Faker. So everybody started watching more and more in Korean League of Legends. And then there was this little bunch that it started with Korean League of Legends and it moved to Chinese League of Legends. And you, that's when you have like Frostcure and all of them that were super into Chinese League of Legends. And right at the end, they started doing like their own awesome pod, uh, their own awesome English broadcast stream. And then at season five, Riot said, well, we have very little control over the broadcasts for OGN and for LPL, let's, let's us do them. Like we're, we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna make them kind of come under the fold. We're going to make them come onto our stream so the, the high quality and the VODs aren't hidden behind a paywall for, for OGN, which Thorin touched on this and why this was a bad idea over on Splice, mm-hmm. I think. Splice.gg. And LPL was just like, the production value, even though Frostgeard was like, Frostgeard and, and Pyro were very, very knowledgeable about it, the production value was like season two, like TSM Invitational production value. It kind of sucked. They were basically just restreaming the Chinese stream, but talking over it. So, like, that was kind of like, I can understand that. And they wanted to make all the VODs accessible, and they basically wanted to start bringing everything under underneath Riot's umbrella, and it was all on Riot Games channels. And, like, okay, this is getting a little iffy here, seeming how, like, nothing was really wrong with the LPL, and nothing was really wrong with OGN. And right. they, like, renamed OGN to LCK. Well, I just want to say, and so far, all of this is very understandable. They weren't, you know, the the leads that they're taking, when they take on the LPL, they're taking something that does not have, you know, riot production quality and giving it that. Now, they did that by putting people in Australia, which is not necessarily known for the greatest of internet speeds. But uh, but they still had something. It was riot-trained casters. You know, they did add Frostgur into that. So there was that Chinese understanding of the game. And in that regard, it was successful. But one of the things that they did, which I thought was smart at the time, and I thought Riot realized was smart at the time, is that they let OGN continue to do OGN things. They understood that OGN was the only other competitor that was really offering a product as good, if not better, than what Riot was able to offer themselves. And that was awesome. And that, you know, let's let them do that. Because they're very good at it. They've been doing it for years and years and years. And let's trust them to do that side of things. And we'll just air it on our channel because that allows it to be more accessible for our viewers. And everyone wins. This was an everyone wins situation. And now suddenly, Riot has decided it is not an everyone wins. And they have gone for this move to split games with Spot TV. So when you're looking at that, Walter, 
do you think that this is you know what what's changed in how riots analyzing this i guess what are the what are the factors we're seeing coming to the forefront now because this is obviously different so part of this comes down to who do you believe on the argument of did was ogn part of these conversations with kespa and riot korea regarding the broadcast and the production of the lck uh part of it comes down to who do you believe is paying most of the cost for it OGN says that they're the ones paying most of the costs and that they have to, you know, crowd they have to fund it through acquiring all these sponsors and fine, like whatever. It it kind of comes down to a lot of he said, she said of who you believe and who is correct. And, you know, there's there's always three sides to everything. There's one side, the other side, and somewhere in the middle is the actual truth. Mm-hmm. So them wanting to go to spot TV, a lot of people that were pro this brought about the, oh, it's like the NFL, you know, or the NBA or MLB or like any major sports ever. Like the English Premier League is not on the same channel, is not always on BBC Three in London, you know, in England. It's on, you know, one of three or four different channels. Uh, NBA, sometimes it's on ABC, sometimes it's on ESPN, sometimes it's on TNT, sometimes it's on like a local, you know, Time Warner cable channel or something like that. Like, so it comes down to OGN purch- had had purchased or had exclusive rights to airing League of Legends content in Korea, and now something happened where Riot doesn't want to give them that exclusivity. Maybe it's that Riot is now demanding a price that OGN doesn't want to pay or is too much for them to pay. It may have something to do with Riot refusal to actually like accept sponsorship on their english on like you know north american europe maybe they don't want to see all these sponsors on their korean stream anymore so they're trying to tell you know ogn get rid of the sponsors and ogn goes well we can't afford to do anything then you know it it's really difficult to understand why riot is trying to pull away from from ogn and then you have all the conspiracy theories of oh they don't like monty they're trying to get rid of monty i don't think that's necessarily true I think it's that Riot doesn't like the amount of control that OGN has held over the Korean uh, League of Legends scene back, you know, going back to basically season one, season two, and they want all that control. They want to be the ones that make all the rulings about, you know, whether a player deserves to be banned, whether a player deserves to play, what the age limit restrictions are, player restrictions, how many games they play, a, you know, a split, all this kind of stuff, because they're trying to standardize every single league across the world. Korea and China and, and Taiwan, the sea region, Garena, are pretty much the only leagues that the leagues aren't directly in Riot's control. You know, CBL LOL is under Riot Brazil. The Japanese league was under Riot Japan. Turkey's under Riot Turkey. Like, everything but these three leagues are di- are directly under Riot's control. And that's just because, I know for Korea and China, they have Lace and Kespa, which are their governing esports organizations. Uh, Grana, I'm not quite sure, because I, I really don't pay attention to Grana at all. You'd have to ask uh, Obscurica or, or Gumiho about what how that actually works. Mm-hmm. So it just it comes down to me that the same thing is probably going to happen with China. Like over the next course, over the next year, where Riot is going to try and put a lot more control over China, uh, which, hey, I mean, if that's how they want to run things, that's how they want to run things. But I'm not at all surprised that Riot is trying to push OGN out. Yeah, and it's one of those things where you look at, you know, this is something you and I talked about just last year about how Riot was already juggling too many things at once. You know, stuff like the challenger scene 
really felt like it was falling to the wayside in terms of you know how they were taking care of it, uh, how they were promoting those events. I mean, how many games were broadcast live versus delayed versus only really getting VODs you know, in the challenger scene? Like it was crazy how some of these things went down. It was crazy that you know we couldn't get European games on weekends. It was always Thursday and Friday, which meant pretty much by necessity it was always going to have worse viewership than North America because people work on Thursdays and you know they have to go to work on Fridays. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's tough. It's a lot of things to balance at once, and now they're asking themselves to balance even more things. But more importantly to me, and this is where. I look at it and I say, you know, people say competition, you know, this is this is going to be great. They're going to push themselves forward. But the thing is, OGN has been doing this for years. And they are competing because they've always been competing against Spot TV because this isn't the only esport. You know, if this was the only thing that, you know, OGN ever had to compete in, that would be one thing. But whether it's StarCraft, whether it's Heroes of the Storm, whether it's, you know, what you know, insert name of eSport here that's caught on in Korea. Vainglory. Yeah, Vainglory. They're competing all the time. They're stepping up. They've got they're gonna have a whole new studio next year where they could broadcast multiple games simultaneously. They're stepping up all of their production quality and they're already the best at it. There's nothing that Spot TV is going to do that is going to push OGN to create a better product. And Spot TV doesn't have to work hard to create a steady product because Riot wants them to have the job because Riot can have more direct control over what Spot TV does. So that's not competition. That's artificial competition that's really just a a monopoly on one side versus a product that's already defined on the other side. And OGN's looking at this and they're saying, why is this worth the headache for us? We're still going to be the most popular esports channel, even if we don't cover League of Legends. And if the Spot TV guys aren't as good as OGN is, which, for the record, they haven't been so far, Korea moves on. Like, we've seen this before. Korea has no problem just moving on from these scenes. We saw it happen with StarCraft. And the one thing that should be worrying Riot is the fact, and I know people have made this argument that, oh, you know, Korea doesn't like to learn, Korea doesn't like to move on in genres. Like, they don't like to move, you know, they're they're not going to move from StarCraft to Age of Empires, so to Mm -hmm. speak. They're not going to move from, uh, I forget what their shooters, Crossfire into Counter-Strike, because that's been a big argument on, like, the the Counter-Strike, the CSGO Reddit, and among some of those guys is that, oh, CSGO is getting more popular in Asia. You know, Dota all of a sudden got is getting much more popular in Korea because two of their teams, and I think this might be the first time in international history, or maybe maybe they had one team last year, but this is like the first time that they got two teams as far as they did into the international. Which, for those of you who don't don't know anything about Dota, is their version of the World Championship. That's the the Valve run World Championship. And if something does happen to League of Legends here, where the the popularity goes down. You have Heroes of the Storm. You have Dota. You have Overwatch now coming out. You have Pal- you know all those Overwatch type games, Paladins from High Reds, and all the rest of them that can very easily kind of pop in and fill this void. And you could see League of Legends like diminish greatly in Korea, where they're your lo- your like largest fan base. They're your most popular. Uh, they're your strongest teams that we've seen you know year after year here. Everyone wants Korean players. Every, you know, this year, I, granted, it's the first year that we've had at all Korean finals, but you have 
two or three Korean teams in the final in the semifinals the last you know three years. You don't have to worry about them making it to the semifinals. Like you're guaranteed to have one team, and they're probably going to win the tournament. We, we've so, had a Korean team in the finals since season two. People forget yeah. Azubu Frost made it to the finals in season two and lost to TVA. Yeah, and they and that was the first year that Korea gave a crap about this. Yeah. And and here's the thing, right? It would be one thing, you know, people always get in like, oh, there's no morals in business. And they, they're right. If Spot TV is really making that great of an offer that it makes 100% sense for Riot and, and OGN's just, you know, not compromising to a certain extent, then then whatever, you make that choice. From everything we've heard from OGN, it doesn't feel that way. And I'll be mm-hmm. honest, just given the precedence that we've seen with OGN, given the way they've handled other esports and how they've been operating as a business for a long time, I am much more inclined to believe the version of the story that says that Riot wanted to maintain control or assert more control because they feel like they can run their own leagues and present their own game better than anyone else can, which we've seen in the way that they've diminished you know, the importance of IEM and completely eliminated things like DreamHack or any of these other, mm-hmm. you know, minor international tournaments, that makes more sense to me than OGN suddenly getting stubborn and demanding more than, you know, what their deal has done in the past. I, it, it seems the fact that they said they weren't even brought to the negotiating table is very weird to me. But, you know, and, and here's what cemented it for me. Here's when I decided, you know what, yeah, there's no morals in business, but this doesn't end well. Was there was a translated statement from Riot Games Korea because Riot Games Korea decided to trademark a champion's logo, which looks very similar to what OGN Champions has been using for a while now. And their their release when this was was made and it was revealed that they had made this trademark was mm-hmm. quote. This trademark application is simply part of the preparations for the official sports legitimization of esports. Let's stop there for a moment. Esports have been going on for years. You're not legitimizing anything that hasn't already been legitimized over the last decade and a half. That Mm -hmm. is insulting to every game that has come before you, but let's continue anyway. It is purely a coincidence that one of our long-term projects has taken place at the end of November. Let's stop again. It's a long-term project. You couldn't have been coming to the negotiation table before a certain point because you were still under contract. So that's saying that you went into this negotiation knowing that you'd already filed for a trademark, which takes time and energy to get put through, and you were already going to put that pressure on no matter what OGN offered you. That's also not a great sign. Let's continue one more time. And the trademark application has nothing to do with the recent League of Legends Champions broadcasting dispute. Please don't get the wrong idea. That is incredibly patronizing. The whole thing is patronizing. And the fact that this was a statement that Riot Games Korea felt comfortable releasing means that they are either entirely out of touch with the state of esports and the fact that as part of Korea, there's a much bigger picture than anything that they are indicating exists here, and that having these long-term projects is in no way going to affect you know, the relationship of two long-term business partners in a culture that is very much based on honor and respect, and here you were going behind their back on mm-hmm. trademark things and whatever else. Like, that's not going to be a thing over there? Mm-hmm. Like, we know enough about Korea to know better than that. And I don't believe Riot's that dumb. I just – I don't believe that a company that is as big as Riot is 
and have been making decisions of this sort for as long as they have had all of this stuff just happen on accident. To be fair, the uh, so there was a, so you're reading the direct riot riot Korea one, right? Yes, I'm reading the so, direct translation uh, that Hungry App made uh, when they uh, revealed the trademark. Yeah, so there was I there was another statement that was released. It was a joint statement by Riot and OGN to Game.MK, which is a Korean gaming site. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember reading this. So they actually started this this kind of trademark application process in the United States last October with that that very similar trademark that's kind of different from OGN, but this LCK. And they started doing that when they were transferring everything onto, you know, no longer have the high quality behind the paywall, have all the uh, VODs free, have it hosted on the uh, Riot Games official Twitch channel or Riot Games 2. And OGN even said inside of this this translated statement that this is not re- it's not related to the broadcasting rights dispute and that this trademark discussion had already been talked about previously uh, in the third party council at the beginning of the season so last year so they had already agreed upon doing this what this says to me though is that OGN didn't think that it was going to go this far mm. and that this was Riot Games kind of playing trying to play a step ahead of OGN in case these talks ended up breaking down for this year. Yeah. So you are, so you're basically openly making a backup plan and it's kind of like a you know we've seen this before where you you make a deal, you know, it, it reminds me of Deflategate in a lot of ways where Bob Kraft says, "You know what? I'll take the hit, I'll pay the fine, I'll give you the draft picks. Just, you know, treat Tom Brady right when the appeal comes up." And Goodell didn't do that. Mm-hmm. And that kind of fe- it feels exactly like that, where OGN said, you know what, you can have the trademark, you can do, you know, we might not necessarily like it, but we get it. We're gonna do it on the Riot Games channel. We're playing along with what you want. Just let us keep making the product that we know is good. And then Riot said, eh, just kidding. We're gonna do our own thing anyway. And yeah. that to me, it doesn't help. Um, you, you know, whether OGN knew or not. That doesn't make me feel any better about this. And it and it sucks because mostly at the end of the day, it's going to punish the viewer. Uh, it's going to punish the Korean fan base because now they're going to be split um, between two different channels, probably airing games simultaneously, uh, one of which is going to be higher quality than the other just by the nature of you know one channel has a lot more money and refined production values. Assuming that OGN stays in League of Legends, which they very well may not, we still don't know have a resolution to that. It's uh, it's rough. It's a very rough place to be, and it's a shame that Riot, in their desire to, you know, make this game completely under their control, which you know, I I, I guess this comes to a larger point about esports in general, right? And the difference between esports and regular sports is like the NBA didn't invent basketball. You know, the NBA doesn't go around and tell other people across the world how they have to play the game of basketball. Same with football. Same with soccer. Same with literally any other sport. You know, these are leagues that have their own rules. And if you want to participate in those leagues, you have to follow their rules. But you can play however you want in, you know, any other game. And here Riot is as the owner of the game. And you have to play their way. And you have to do it the way they want and how they want. And it's really hard to grow when you are stifled by limitations in creativity limitations in ways of presenting things, limitations in 
the types of things that you can say because as long as you're under Riot's thumb, you're not going to say negative things about the company in public. These are all legitimate concerns, and they're concerns you don't have on any of these other situations that people try to compare it to. If Al Michaels wants to say that the NFL made a bad call on something, he can do that, and the NFL isn't going to take away ABC's rights to air games. That's a huge difference here that I think people are missing. And it's a shame that Riot doesn't see the value in that, that other leagues and other sports, and even other companies within esports like Blizzard and uh, and Counter-Strike have been able to see. So the one thing that I keep saying over and over, anytime any of these issues get brought up, is that the LCS is not a league. It's not a sport. It's a marketing tool. It's an advertisement. It is an eight-hour infomercial convincing all of us that we need to play this game and that we want to buy skins to to look as good as our you know as good as Bjergsen does on LeBlanc and to buy their merchandise that's what it comes down to this isn't a sport and this is just further emphasis that they don't view it as a sport yet this is still an advertising campaign for them and then until they make the distinction that they don't want it to be advertising anymore, and again, it, I think it was in Thorin's article, it may have been someone else's on Gold Pretend, I don't remember because I read like three or four of them when this happened, but until Riot is willing to give up the intellectual property claim on the game and put it into public domain, you, you can't do anything. Riot will forever be able to use it as this, as this advertising tool, and that's how they've decided they want to run it. And that's why, really, OGN kind of has, they're stuck. Either they're going to run with the game and they're going to play ball with Riot, or they're going to say, screw it, and move into Vainglory, or Heroes of the Storm, or whatever they want to do. Yeah. So, that's unfortunate, but that's kind of where we're at. And and here's the thing, right? Uh, There are plenty of games that are very happy to take advantage of the resources OGN has. There are plenty of games that would love more attention from OGN, that would love the way that OGN promotes games, and can make them more popular within the region, that would love the quality of the cast and the quality of the casters that they have, there are plenty of people that will take advantage of those offers if Riot won't. Mm-hmm. And I think what Riot is overestimating, you know, right now Riot is the biggest game in the world. It is the most played game in the world uh, on a computer, we'll say. And that's all great. That's awesome. Congratulations to Riot. They've made a very fun product. But what you do with these kinds of decisions is you lose the leeway. You lose any ability to make up for things if things go wrong. If you make controversial decisions, you already have people who now believe in your product less than they did before. And that's the position they've put themselves in. I do not believe in Riot's ability to properly make decisions based on what is best for the eSport anymore. Because as you've said, they've done nothing but make it clear that this is advertising. But you know who is making decisions that are very much you know, for the betterment of the eSport, even if that is for their own self-interest? Blizzard. Blizzard finally fixed StarCraft. StarCraft's fun again. Like The World Championship was awesome. <laughs> the, the Heroes of the Storm World Championship, tons of technical delays, and that needs to get fixed. Oh my god, the technical delays need to get fixed. <laughs> but if you figure out that side of things, like the way that they've outsourced these tournaments, the way that they've you know, allowed the scene to develop and grow and give people all these different opportunities, you give them the stable outlet that OGN has, that's going to go huge. And Riot is really 
believing that their product is so great and so out of this world incredible that people won't leave, even if the quality of the cast goes down, even if they make some questionable decisions. And historically, no game has accomplished that. There is not a single game that has been played for that many, you know, for years and years and years that has stood so far above the rest of its peers that it dominated forever. It's very hard to do that. And if Riot stumbles even a bit, just one bad year, in terms of balancing, in terms of shifting the game in a meta that people don't like, now you're at that risk. You're going to play this game, you have to be perfect. Or, or dang close. And, uh, and I'm worried about that. Especially because Riot decided that making everyone in Korea mad was just an appetizer to the main course <laughs> that is the LCS format announcement today. I, I'm going to assume that if you're listening to this podcast, you've heard about this format announcement. If not, uh, it's on the Riot Games page, uh, lolesports.com. You can read it for yourself. Uh, I'm going to read an excerpt later on. But unlike the OGN thing, there isn't a lot of background to explain. We're just going to get to talk about this. And Walter, you had a tweet that I think expressed things very well. What was your reaction when you read this? Which which tweet are you talking about? I'm talking That's about the one question. where you said that this was the end of Riot as the number one esport in the world. Oh, yes. You went that far upon this reading. I mean, this is like the third or fourth time that I've said it. So, <laughs> uh, so, so me, take it with a little f- grain of salt? Yeah. <laughs> so the actual quote is, here is a joke for you. LCS format changes. Yup, enjoy your last year at the top, Riot. You done blanked up. Ha ha ha. And I think this is like this. I think I said it about the Korea changes too. I said the exact same thing. Yeah. They're t- to me, they're not making decisions that are looking for the long-term success of League of Legends as a sport or as an esport. Like I said earlier, they're looking at it for how much money can we get out of these children's hands and out of their parents' pocketbooks to make us the most wealthy people on the planet. Like, I can't remember, but they made something ridiculous in microtransactions. Like, I want to say it was a billion. Like, somewhere in the billions of dollars in microtransactions. And they lose money on the LCS. But it's okay to lose money on your advertising campaigns when you're making a billion dollars back in revenue. Mm-hmm. So, I, these, these changes, I know a lot of people are complaining that it's, oh, North America gets best of threes and three days of broadcasting and Europe gets best of twos and two days of broadcasting. Oh, this is, this is the huge issue. They favor NA. You guys are looking, you're talking about the the right thing that they're favoring NA, but you're looking at it the wrong way. They're not favoring NA because NA is getting best of threes. They're favoring NA because that's where all the money is. That's where all the sponsorship dollars are. How many European teams are sponsored by Logitech? How many European teams are sponsored by sponsored by DraftKings? How many European teams are sponsored by HTC? Well, hello there. How many North American teams are sponsored by any of those? Huh, Cloud9, CLG, Team Liquid, TSM. Hmm, I wonder who they really care about. They care about the organizations that are making them the most money. And this is the problem that I think a lot of people don't understand. Here's a tweet I sent out early. Uh, conspiracy theory. Riot looked at the viewers and the EU exodus and realized no one would tune in to a best of three between the two bottom tier European teams. 
you know, how well did the Copenhagen Wolves versus SK do in the ratings last year? And this is what people don't recognize. No one wants to watch a best of three of those two kinds of teams. Like whatever the bottom tier of Europe is going to be, no one wants a best of three of that. The teams that are going to be at the bottom of North America, even the worst North American teams still get fans. They still get sponsors because they're still airing on weekends. They get more on average. It, it's more, more than Europe, yes. More than Europe. And that's a problem. I would say outside of the top four in Europe, most people – you think people were tuning in for Giants? Like Giants would made the playoffs. I, I was actually. I well, liked watching Giants last year. Yeah, well, you and I cover this for a living. We're a little bit – we're not the average LCS viewer. I don't think that there were a lot of people like, man, I love watching Whirlib almost be good every week. Like just sometimes look great and then sometimes terrible and trying to figure out which Whirlib's going to show up today. Like I love that because I find this stuff fascinating and I cover it for a living as a result. But for most people – if you're not a top-tier European team, people just don't care. And that puts it at a very awkward spot because, you know, and this is something I think you and I have touched on a little bit in the past, but it's worth going into more details here. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to find sponsors for European teams because these are mostly national brands in what is a very international league. You know, with North America – it's mostly the U.S. or any brand that's you know, not the U.S. you can still probably get in Canada. It's a lot of the same big names. It's all very popular. You can you know, get it anywhere in the country, and it's not going to make a difference. But let's say you're Rockat, right? Rockat, how are you going to find – like are you going to get a French company to invest in your po- mostly Polish team that competes in Germany? That's going to be really hard sell already, and then you take into account that your fans are going to be spread all across the continent, and your product most of the time is only available within your own country's borders. So most of your fans, most of the people that you're reaching with your advertising are not actually going to be able to give you a return on your investment. Mm -hmm. And that's a massive problem that people don't always recognize about the way that this European thing set up. We think about Europe and the European Union, and they all use the same currency, and they all you know, are part of this larger thing. But it's not like they all get along. It's not like all these countries are you know, bonded by friendship and harmony, and you know, everyone loves everybody. That's, that's not, it's just not how so, it works. So part of this problem that I have, and it, it's actually someone on Reddit, and I, I'm trying to find his quote so I can actually use his name, because he made a very good argument about it, is it seems like that be the case about these nat- you know non-international sponsorship but what's preventing logitech from sponsoring one of those teams why isn't why isn't you know S- why isn't fanatic sponsored by logitech why because you can get logitech products all across europe mm. like that's not the problem like the the, the you know corsair rocket you know benq like where are all these sponsors in europe Europe just doesn't have sponsors, period, because Europe doesn't have commercial viewer base. Not necessarily the fans, but the people who are willing to like purchase products or that are willing to sit on their butts for like hours at a time to watch them outside of the competitive format. Right now, if you go on to Twitch, right now, I'm going to open up Twitch and I'm going to look at Bjergsen because I follow Bjergsen on Twitch. He has 30,000 people watching him play solo queue. I have never 
ever seen Froggen above 20. Maybe 25. I'll give him 25. Bjergsen gets upwards. I've seen Bjergsen hit 50,000 viewers on Twitch. I've never seen a European streamer get over 25. Never. Never in my entire life. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing, right? And this is the other part that people forget is how much of a big difference does it make that Europe plays on Thursday and Friday versus North America getting Saturday and Sunday? More people are free to watch games on Saturday and Sunday. It's mm-hmm. a perfect time. If you're a North American fan, it's not during the week. You can set your time aside. You can plan around it. You can make it a big thing. You can have viewing parties with friends. Viewing parties, you know, they tend to be bigger things in North America to a certain extent. You know, I, it, you can build, you know, these things are, are prime time spaces. This is why these games, you know, this is why the NFL broadcasts on Sundays. This is why the biggest games in the NBA they try to make on weekends. This is why playoff games, they try to aim it for these things. Because it's really hard to get invested on weekdays when things like work get in the way. When you can't block away all these hours because you've so, worked a nine to five and you're exhausted. So I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you off right here because Riot Magus has already had a a statement on Reddit to counter this point. Oh please, I would love to hear what Riot Magus has okay. to say. So we this is the direct quote from Reddit. I am literally taking this word for word from Reddit. I'm not going to change it in any way, shape, or form because I'm a good journalist. Yes. Beginning quote: Riot Magus. On Reddit, as of 10.36 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, December 8, 2015, in the public sphere known as the Internet. Quote, we run EU LCS in the evening because fans in NA can watch due to time zone differences. There are tons of EU LCS fans in NA and we want to respect their ability to watch. Next sentence, we run NA LCS in the early afternoon for the same reason, because there are so many NALCS fans in Europe. If we swapped days but stuck to the above schedule, no live viewers would be able to attend the NALCS, and it would crush the show. The best balance that works for both leagues collectively is to run EULCS on Thursday, Friday, and NALCS on Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> I'll end my quote there. <laughs> You laugh because the way it's written, it makes it seem extremely biased. It's extremely biased. Oh my god, it's so biased. But it makes sense. It actually makes sense. But it only makes sense if you're a North American. If you're a North American, every single one of those senses is true. But why is Europe – here's the thing. Why is Europe forced to live on North American standards? That's the thing that has never been explained. And you can tell me all you want. Oh, but the time zones don't work. Guess what? Korean games start airing at 5 a.m. People watch. People watch and they watch the VODs. So I don't want to hear this bullshit. I'm going to bleep myself out there. I don't want to hear this. That somehow, if you make things slightly less advantageous for North American viewers, that they're completely boned and there's no answer, there's no workaround, no one can make any adjustments. Here's what they did. They made things the easiest for what is their biggest market right now. And it is their biggest market right now because they have made it easiest for them. It is amazing what happens when you build an entire market around making one market have a much easier way of you know, watching these events than the other one. No, duh, you're going to get these results. 
Because this is what they're prioritizing. This is what matters to them. And guess what? Sponsors know it and act accordingly. So why would Logitech sponsor a North American team when, you know, I mean, a European team versus a North American team when even Riot is saying we build our schedule around North American viewership? <laughs> Come on! You can't. I mean... Magus, no. Magus, please. Like, you can't. You can't expect me to take that seriously, buddy. I mean,. The viewership is higher for North America, just straight out. It's higher. It's higher. Because it's tailored to what North Americans are most likely to watch. If you aired European games at the same time, guess what? You know when Europeans watch their football matches, you know, over in Europe when they're watching these things? In the early afternoon, you know, like every other sporting event that's ever existed. What? We don't air it for them then. And then we surprise that their numbers are lower. How does that make sense? Like, we don't air it during their prime time. We air it during a time that is incredibly inconvenient and then say, oh, the numbers don't work. Clearly, that's the problem. Europe has a higher player base on their server. There are more European... (laughs) That's not how this works. I don't don't think it's incredibly inconvenient. I don't think it... I lived in Europe. It's pretty inconvenient. Okay, it's okay, like, I'll, I'll, like I'll on Thursdays that. and Fridays, I have work to do. I have classes to study for. I'm going to have articles I need to write. I'm going to have things I need to do for my team and for my job. I don't want to work eight hours in a day, then come back and have what is going to be with best of twos, like 10 hours of League of Legends to watch. I don't have time for that. I literally cannot operate that way. And so, no so one I have, can. I have a question. Would you Please. rather have to then watch like eight plus hours of broadcast on Saturday and Sunday? You know what I would love? I would love if we did what we do with Korea and China and just admit that every region's going to have their preferences and aired it at the time that made the most sense for the region that was being aired. Because surprisingly, Korea and China air at the exact same times, pretty much, because that is the prime time for their regions, and both of those regions do fine locally. Okay, but you you choose. They don't care about local. They care about world viewership. They care about total viewership. And the VODs haven't gone down for these regions. People well, who want it go out and find it. They find the VODs and it works out. They don't care about that. They care about live. They care about live <laughs> viewership. They care about the number of people that pop up in that little bo- you know that little number at the bottom that says a number on Twitch. But when you don't even try to make European viewership work that way then you're only getting results that confirm your hypothesis because they have skewed things such that Europe could never succeed. Let's just go off of this fact for a moment. There are many more European players than there are North American players. This is one of the things that we always point to when we talk about why Europe has so much more talent than North America because there are just so many more of them that we're more likely to get a cream to the crop. It's the same reason Korea has so much talent. It's the same reason China has so much talent. So we know there is already inherently a larger player base in Europe. So unless you can explain to me why Europeans would be less likely to watch esports if you aired it at the time that's most convenient to them, the easiest and most clear answer to me as to why European numbers would be lower is because it's not aired at a time where this larger player base could take advantage of it. Is that is that a crazy? Am I crazy for thinking that? No, you're not crazy. You're not crazy. I, 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 yeah. I who, who would have thought I'd be the one that's like being the the riot shill here? Like you know, 
Monty was earlier today. <laughs> I mean, look, what do you know? Thorin went one way, Monty went the other, and, and the cycle of Reddit continues. I, I, I just, you know, it's one of those things where it makes me mad because I'm, you know, I'm born in America, right? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm now, I'm there right now. I'm about to go over to Turkey. I've lived in the UK. I'm going to be spending time in Germany. I, I, I'm all over the place. And I understand that North America has forever been seen as the cash cow when it comes to media. You know, they've got a lot of expendable income as a general rule because this is a country that tends to have an average wealth that's a little bit higher than most other countries. Uh, I get it. Uh, when it comes to things like Hollywood, when it comes to things like television shows, whatever else, the U.S. is at the center of all of these things. And Riot is based in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So I understand that there are going to be a lot of reasons to put natural biases there. But this is Europe. This is a whole other region with a whole bunch of other problems. You need to find a way to deal with the sponsorship issue. You need to find a way to deal with the viewership issue. And instead of taking steps that could fix these problems and experimenting with things that would further the region, they'd rather say, eh, we make more money off North America. Screw it. Who cares? Who cares about making Europe as best as it could be? Who cares about enforcing the changes that can make Europe the productive, powerful region that we know it can be? When we have Reckless going on VODs explaining that Fnatic, one of the biggest esports organizations in the world across pretty much every game imaginable, is paying two to three times less for their salaries than some third-rate North American teams? You don't think there's a problem that Riot could address and make easier? through some sort of actions on their part, given the influence they have, given the resources that they have as far as advertisers and everything else? You don't think that they could change things around to try to boost that up, to try to promote what has been such a strong region for them and a player base that, as I said, is larger than their North American one? This is a huge percentage of players that they're just ignoring and disrespecting because of their own inherent North American biases. And you know what the worst part of it is? They somehow screwed over Europe while insulting North America at the same time. I'm going to quote from the actual thing again here. Given the prevalence of best of two in many European sports leagues, especially soccer, sorry, football, got to pause for a second, um, Riot, that joke stopped being funny like somewhere between 50 and 100 years ago. Not not necessary. It's trying to be cute. Not cute. Let's move on. Uh, We decided to implement best of two format in a region where ties are both understood and accepted in sports culture. In North America, where there's a regional sports tradition of avoiding ties, we chose to implement best of three. Because apparently North Americans could not figure out what a tie is. As NeoJets uh, pointed out on Twitter, uh, they probably just watched that video of Donovan McNabb being very confused that ties (laughs) were a thing that could happen in the NFL. And just assume that that would be everything that happened. Thank in, you for in bringing that up. It's, uh, Thank you. It was one of my favorite tweets of the day. I genuinely <laughs> – I shout out to him. Jeremy's great. Um, follow him on Twitter. He's a good guy. Um, we're honestly not sure which format will be better. And this is the part where I just stopped. And I literally – I closed my computer and I had to step away for a while because here's the thing. Riot is acting like we don't have any evidence – on whether best or two or best of three has certain impacts on on the scene and what would benefit, you know, what benefits those bring. You know, they're like, oh, we weighed these pros and cons, like this is brand new thing. Um, 
let's leave aside for a second that StarCraft, uh, Heroes of the Storm, Dota 2, Counter-Strike, all these other games have already done all of these experiments. And you have tons and tons of historical examples to look up. Because as we know, Riot believes they're the greatest things that have ever occurred. They're higher and superior to everything that's ever come before them, and they have the right answers, and no one else does. So they're not going to look at any of those other examples. LPL was best of two, and LCK was best of three last year. You literally have in front of you an entire year's worth of sample size to analyze and adjust based on what you learned. And you won't do it. That's, that's exactly, incredible. That's, that's, that's a different viewership base. Different a, viewership base. But they're not talking about viewership base when they're picking format. When they're talking about format, it's what's best for the, the, the things that they bring up about the pros and cons. It's competition, uh, sheer number of games, drawbacks of you know teams could be less fair because the number of games on each side, uh, drawbacks of ties. They didn't bring up at any point, oh, viewerships might adjust different ways to different things. Right, they, they did in that statement that you read. They did, yes, and guess what? That was insulting because the idea that a North American organization cannot wrap their minds around a tie is humiliatingly embarrassing. Really? I, I, I think that I have a new song for our opening. I, I think we need to start playing God Save the Queen. Oh my God. Before every, because you are, you're totally on the European side here holy crap i'm so you need to go back there and drink some tea i'm so well first of all i'm definitely making myself a cup of tea after this because i need to relax (laughs) and i've i you know i i I will say just going behind the curtains a bit i uh i wrote this down on my schedule usually i always write podcasts with walter or emergency podcast if it's rushed i just wrote down angry podcast (laughs) for today and what you're seeing here this is not played up this is this, I want to make this clear because people sometimes ask me like, oh, man, you're, you, know, you get really worked up about this stuff. And sometimes I am you know, overplaying it for the sense of a joke because we need a joke. You, know, you need to have those kind of moments <laughs> on the podcast. So I'm going to make this very clear. When I talk about this being the most insulting thing that Riot has done in terms of their competitive view of esports, I am not joking. This is not, this is not funny to me. This, is, this makes me regret the number of the hundreds of hours I spent preparing for games for the world championship and the yes. number of hours I spent podcasting on it. It's not that I wish I hadn't done any of it at all, but it makes me regret every positive thing I have ever said about this league and the fact that I love it so much. And it's like, why do you make me hate you? Cause this, this shouldn't be a problem. This is not like, I don't believe that Riot is dumb enough to not understand what these formats are capable of and what will work and what won't work. You know why we're doing best of twos and best of threes? It's because of my conspiracy theory I put out earlier. Because North America gets more viewers, they're airing them in, in better prime times, and w- among the worst teams in Europe, if you had a best of two between Giants and Rockets, whatever makeshift roster they come up with this year, people would not watch the third game if that went to a third game. And Instead of openly just admitting that, that right now the viewership isn't there and they need to work on rectifying that and you know coming up with fixes for that problem before they move forward, they won't even acknowledge that they've really fallen behind in terms of getting Europe to the place where it needs to be. And they're just going to keep pushing North America forward as much as they can and just write Europe off as that place that creates all the talent that North America is going to then import. And that's – did you not watch StarCraft? 
Like, does no one at Riot understand that these are lessons we've learned before? No, because they think that they're the one legitimizing esports. Yeah, that's God. It really, I, 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 I just, it makes me tired. It makes me tired. And it makes so, me so, sad. So, I'll, I'll go on my rant now, because man, you're, I'm, I'm out. I'm done. I can't. I need to take take it over, Walter. I'll, I'll let you go. So, so, so my problem here is that people are arguing about one of the threads on on Reddit is new LCS format will widen gap in terms of sponsors compared to NA, arguing you know between Europe and NA. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you guys in on a little bit of news here. Uh, there already was a huge gap between EU and NA. Well, what y'all don't know is that there's a huge gap between NA and NA. So I am gonna go back and I am gonna quote from a post that was on Reddit uh, 15 days ago, about two weeks ago, by Trashy Fanfic, uh, user Trashy Fanfic, that asked the question, are any LCS team owners willing to discuss where their revenue comes from? And good old Enemy Chachi, one of the owners for the enemy organization that is now no longer in the LCS, answered some of these questions about, about revenue inside the LCS. And I would like to just bring up a, a very good point that he made uh, it was like her third or fourth comment down that said riots control over sponsorships is annoying when it comes to sponsors like alpha draft, etc. But the biggest issue is the, why wouldn't we just sponsor insert veteran team that low teams get from companies if they don't have huge streaming presences. So what he is arguing is he goes to someone, let's say he goes to, Logitech. Let's say Logitech doesn't sponsor anyone, and Logitech is looking at this, and Chachi goes to Logitech and goes, yeah, you know, we're in the LCS, like, this is a really big thing, we get all these viewers on a daily basis, and Logitech isn't just going to sign a check for anyone, they're going to do some research into it, and they're going to come into this meeting with with Chachi, and they're going to say, well, why would I sponsor you when I can sponsor TSM when one of their players streams and he gets 30,000 people that watch his stream, and I can have a little logo in the corner of his stream, and I can get 30,000 people to see this when if I have one of your like one of your guys stream, I get maybe a thousand. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was very interesting when I read it. I thought it was a really strong statement that he made. And I was, you know, thinking about like what what can I, you know, what can you use to prove this theory? And I think the biggest thing that you can use to prove this theory are the sponsorships of HTC and DraftKings. Mm-hmm. Now HTC and DraftKings, they came in and they needed to sponsor all the LCS teams. No, they sponsored TSM, they sponsored uh, CLG, they sponsored Cloud9, they sponsored Liquid, they sponsored those top four teams. And it just goes further, you know, all of a sudden now TSM is going out and they're signing Svenskeren and there's the whole, you know, five point effing 5k thing where you're arguing, you know, five, you know, five point five thousand dollars a year. That that comes out to quite a bit of money towards the end of the year. That, you know, that's that's like what, twenty, twenty five thousand dollars, thirty? 40? I can't do math. <laughs> 5.5 a month? Yeah. Is like, that's that's 60,000. 60,000. Yeah, really? you really oh, yeah, can't it's, do it's math. 60, yeah, it's, it's like 60,000. <laughs> so $50,000, $60,000 for one player. And then arguing, oh, now they got Yellowstar. Double lift. How much money are they paying Bjergsen, double lift, Svenskeren, you know, double lift Bjergsen and Yellowstar if they're you know, paying Svenskeren, who was relegated last year, you know, $60,000 a year. Like, that's crazy. And, well, all and here's the thing. It's incredible. That wasn't even how much they got from TSM. That's how much H2K was offering. And yeah. TSM trumped that, as far as we can yeah. tell. Yeah. So, like, it's like they're spending, you know, 
almost two, almost a quarter of a million dollars on four players. Like that's insanity. And then meanwhile, you have Gambit is selling their organization. Elements is selling their spot. H2K even had to go out and get more in, like a, an investment group to invest into them. Gravity is selling their spot. TIP is selling their spot. Cloud9 is selling their Challenger series spot. Like all of a sudden, all these like low tier spots are all getting sold because of how much money is coming in at the top. Just at the top. HTC didn't give any money to, to Gravity. Gravity didn't have any sponsors last year. Why do you think they wore those leather jackets? Heck, the Tigers don't have sponsors. sponsors. The, the second place team at Worlds barely has any sponsors. There's a Korean organization that's being pushed out in, in Rebels Anarchy that are being shoved out of Kespa, essentially, because they won't agree to stream on a Zubu. Like... If you guys really want to complain about – you're complaining about the right thing. You're complaining about this divide in terms of sponsorship dollars. You're correct to argue about this. It's correct to say that you're, 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 uh, you're giving more games to NA. Fine. That's cool. The real issue that you should be upset about is this whole where they're going to run two different streams. And you've brought up a good point. Who the hell is going to watch Copenhagen Wolves versus Giants? Or SK versus Giants. Mm-hmm. Who the hell last year wanted to watch? Who wanted to watch Coast versus uh, who? Who was terrible that year too? TDK, Dignitas? TDK. Yeah, who wanted <laughs> to watch like Coast versus TDK? So you're gonna have them on one stream, and in the old system where it was all on one stream, that was like your third game of the day. So maybe you had two hundred fifty thousand people watching, like watching like CLG versus uh, Team Liquid. And there's like 250,000 people watching it. And then you get this like really crappy TDK versus Coast game. And you're like, eh, you know, maybe you lose 50. Maybe you lose like 50,000 people. You're still at 200,000 people watching Coast and TDK. And then you have TSM and like Cloud9 afterwards. Like more people are going to kind of stay with the stream open just because they don't want to miss TSM versus Cloud9. Like maybe they'll have two screens and they'll have the stream open and they'll be playing League on the other one because who cares? Like, oh yeah, this will be a 45 minute like boring ass game like i'm just gonna play league and like half listen to freak make puns whatever like that's common and then i'm gonna watch tsm versus cloud nine now what they're doing is they're they're only i guarantee you they're only gonna stream the good games on the like the main channel on stage you're only gonna get your tsm versus cloud nines your clg versus team liquids like your good teams whatever terrible rotten teams you have that are gonna take over the tip and gravity spots they're going to be absolutely trash because I can't find five decent players in North America right now that aren't already on teams or that would re- that would want to leave a challenger team to get relegated at the end of the split. Like they're never going to see the light of day. Right. They're always going to be on the secondary stream and maybe they get one or two times on stage. So whoever buys those spots are getting getting blanked. Yeah, getting beat. Oh, and for the they're record, going to get sponsors. Tying this back to our original conversation, if you don't think Riot is going to give the nicer games to Spot TV, who's going to do whatever they say, and give OGN whatever's left over because they can do that. Yeah. Uh, good luck with that. Uh, I appreciate your optimism. Uh, mine has been dashed quite expertly at this point. I, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, there, everything about this is just – it's flawed from the ground up. And you could be making moves to fix it. One of the things they could be doing is some sort of collective bargaining where they all you know, have to come in and pool money and some of these profits get shared. But here's the problem. You've let it go on this long? Why would TSM or CLG or any of those teams agree to that? 
Like, why, why would they want to? They have everything right now, yeah. and it gives them an advantage over their peers. Good luck getting them to buy in when you've done nothing to curb this behavior so far. You can so, try to do direct kind of crowdfunding things like maybe, hey, let's get, you know, let's offer skins in game and people can buy those skins and it'll go to the team to some extent like they do icons. I don't know how so, they do it, so but you do something when, like that. But guess what? When, TSM and Cloud9 are going to get more than everyone else. It's still going to, it's going to exacerbate the problem. Yeah. So, so when franchising happens, which is going to happen this year, you can, you can write it down in, in ink. You can put it in ink for all I care. It's going to happen this year with these format changes in summer. Book it. Book it right now. You're going to have revenue sharing that's going to crop up. And revenue sharing is going to help some of these little teams, but it's going to take a while to balance it out. And you're going to have this kind of power struggle that's going to be equivalent to like when the Articles of Confederation, when they realized they sucked mm-hmm. and they needed to like write the Constitution – you're going to have this power struggle of all the large states like TSM and CLG and Cloud9 versus the Rhode Islands of the LCS versus like – I hate putting Dignitas down there, but Dignitas is kind of like that where they're not in this top – like they're not in this top four – I want to say triumvirate, but there's four of them yeah. that are getting HTC, getting all these like huge sponsorships and they're just blowing everyone out of the, out of the water with money. Like Dignitas is like the leader of the little ones. They're like Massachusetts. Uh, uh, and you're gonna have this power struggle between them of creating rules that are fair, requiring that like, oh well, you know, I'm the last place team in the LCS, but I deserve to be on the stage X amount of times a year, like stuff like that, where they're gonna have to collectively bargain for all this stuff. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, uh, good luck getting North American teams to want to share their profits with Europe, because well, that at happen. this point, well, okay, but if you don't, then uh, Europe continues to fall further and further behind. So you have, I, do that, you have any plan? They'll have to figure out something else with that. Uh, that's, uh, yeah. that's not how revenue sharing is going to work. Revenue sharing happens within the league itself, and Riot has very, very blatantly stated that the North American LCS and the European LCS are two separate leagues. Right. That's, that's why. why that's why we build a schedule so that everyone can watch both. Oh wait, I'm still I'm still mad about this. I just want to make it clear. Like I, just in case uh, ten minutes have passed and you forgot how mad I am about this. I'm very mad about this. Oh, it's okay. And for the record, you know what the best part about all this is? We're still being subjected to best of ones this spring. Like, yeah. like we're still going to have one more really crappy split that's entirely outdated because Riot decided to ramp all this stuff up for summer when they're going to franchise things because I'm absolutely going to go with you on this. I, I, I think it's pretty much a guarantee at this point. That's why all this timing is happening all at once. It's going to be this big, huge, oh my God, look at the new summer and how everything's changing. And, you know, they'll mm-hmm. take the first, you know, the second half of that split to figure out exactly what that means and then move on. But how does franchising affect China or Korea, you know, now that they've kind of taken over some of these regions? Well, how is it going to affect the LMS, which they're still struggling to get a consistent English cast down for that, despite the fact that Taiwan had two teams in the quarterfinals? I mean, yeah, but come on, no one, no one actually wants to watch LMS. Sorry, Skirica, don't kill me. I look. I believe that people watch quality when you get to a certain point. If people watch China when no one was watching China for a while, people will a watch a high quality cast of good League of Legends. They're not going to watch the five through eight teams in LMS. That's going to be a struggle, and that's the problem that Riot has in justifying it. But you have an AHQ versus TPA series. People will watch. It's good. I genuinely I, – I believe that. 
And I believe that because people watched the Flash Wolves and got actually pretty excited about some of these guys. People like watching Carson. Carson play. Like there are, there are names that matter. And, and, and this is what it really comes to at the end of the day. Riot, you know, you're, you're doing this as advertising instead of esports. And I could be sad about that because I care about the esport, not about advertising. But that's, that's my problem. Uh, that's me having to adjust my expectations of you. I can't make you have the same ideology that I want you to have. That's not how life works. But if you're going to do it, Riot needs to do right by the people that have put their faith and their trust in them. This is a huge European player base. Just like the Korean player base is a huge player base. These people, even if Riot only sees this as advertising, even if they care so much more about the revenue they can make off of this than they do about the competitive integrity of these events. And that's fine. They don't have to view this the way that I do. But these European players and these Korean players, they depend on Riot to make decisions that will make their system as healthy and as fruitful as it can be. Because if Riot interferes in these kinds of ways and makes the kinds of decisions that actively hurt their scenes, it's out of their control, and they're just going to fall further and further behind. And people will move on. You know, that's, that's the thing at the end of the day. It will hurt. These, they will feel betrayed. And I think a lot of European fans are already calling foul. God knows. Look at the translated invent post. Korean fans feel absolutely blindsided by the way that Riot has handled things over there. Yeah. And you can I only mean, do that for so long. I mean, it, there there is a thread that says complaining about new LCS format thread salt only and it's it's one of those like trash talk threads. Mm-hmm. And I mean there there's some that there's some really really stupid stuff like comparing this to Donald Trump, which I thought was hilarious and there's some actual really really good points in here, but I I think we have to realize that this isn't necessarily just an NA EU thing. That this is a this is a top bottom thing. Mm-hmm. This is a all the money is at the top in four or five organizations, mm-hmm. and unless they start building out the bottom of it and start ha- they they need to start propping up some of these teams. Maybe not financially. Maybe and, and maybe it'll be different. Maybe all of a sudden all these new investors in 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 North America, especially, all of a sudden will have you know six amazing teams in North America in terms of really good funding, and it'll be really competitive, and they'll be able to get you know whatever players they want, so to speak. But until they build up at the bottom, and we're not even talking Challenger League here. Like I could go on into a big old rant about how this is further biting into what they're going to be doing with challenger scene and all those changes, which I don't, I just don't want to get into it, Mm -hmm. but unless they build out the bottom of this so that the teams at the bottom can be competitive with the teams at the top in some way, like granted MLB does not give, you know, the Kansas city Royals enough money to outbid the Yankees on any player. Like that's completely fair, but there is something there to help keep the Royals afloat and get them to a point where all of a sudden they're winning a world, you know, they're winning a world series and the Yankees are barely making the playoffs type mm-hmm. deal. But this is taking, you know, a hundred years to get to this point where all the teams kind of are, you know, kind of flowing up and down on these waves where, you know, some years a team like the Marlins are good or the Mar- Mariners are good in Seattle, you know, in a couple of years, they're pretty good. They're almost going to make 
the playoffs and then, you know, a couple of years where they're like the worst team in baseball. Same thing in the NBA, except the four, the 76ers just are terrible, just flat out terrible, but that's by design. This system isn't put in place in the LCS, and until they put that in place, they're, they're on this knife edge or, or this waiting for this bubble to burst where it can go either way. And I just think that them, you know, focusing on these really stupid things like not, you know, oh, let's have different formats for every single region. Oh, let's, you know, let's take over the English broadcast for LPL. Let's take over all of LCK and push out one of our best partners in terms of broadcasting out. Like when they're worrying about all these silly things, they're really falling short of building this out in the long term. And that's why I constantly say things like, you know what? They're going to die this year. And this year, with how much money is all of a sudden being flushed into CSGO with this, this Turner League that's going to happen, with how well the international has done last year and how they're going to this, we're going to have four basically majors across the year that are going to be mini world championships and then our world championship. With how Heroes of the Storm has doing the same thing, where they're going to have these three major tournaments, you know, huge international tournaments over the course of the year. Like it really worries me as someone who loves League of Legends and who's who's been watching it since its inception that the second it look the second it starts to go down that hill, it's just gonna snowball and just die. Yeah. That's the thing that worries me about it. And that's why I'm so like so the end is nigh. It's uh it's rough. And you know, it's a shame that there isn't something like you know, maybe an organization that had a ton of money, you know, who had the ability to pay two teams worth of players could have a team, I don't know, something kind of like a sibling maybe, uh, maybe like a brother or maybe even a sister <laughs> where they could get these, you know, they wouldn't have to worry about the income stuff, but they'd still have multiple competitive teams that would be able to build and grow off of each other. Man, if only something like that existed, you know, who knows how many problems in Korea could be fixed given how <laughs> tough their top to bottom is. Uh, and, and, and that's the problem at the end of the day is you've, they've purposely made these decisions that screw over those who don't operate in the same economic structure that Riot wants. Revenue sharing won't help Korea or, or China or North, or Europe it literally can only help North America at this point. Korea has a very different series of problems that need to be attacked in a very Korean way. Europe has a very different set of problems that need to be attacked in a very European kind of way. And instead of acknowledging this and dealing with it and allowing these regions to have their own kind of, you know, letting these things go and letting the regions control themselves in the way that makes the best sense for them. Riot continues to decree on high and consequences be damned. And as long as you do that, as long as you have such a narrow view of how to solve problems, you will fail. And it might not be by the end of the year. I'm not as quite as doomsday as you are yet because I think the player base of League of Legends is enough. I think fans are willing to put up with quite a bit, uh, at least in the West. But slowly and surely, we are going to have a problem, and it's going to be a problem that gets worse and worse, and other games and other regions are getting better and better at how to handle this. Blizzard has learned a lot of lessons from StarCraft. Uh, Valve has done a very good job of positioning Dota 2 and has made it through that Korean, you know, they've finally broken through on that front. 
Uh, there are new games coming out that are going to learn those lessons and become even better as a result. And uh, as I've said before on this pod, adapt or die. And Riot, I don't see them adapting. I see them trying to do things in a very narrow-minded way. And when you do that, it is incredibly hard to imagine long-term success. And that's a shame because there is no reason that with the lead that they have, with the quality of the product that they are capable of delivering, and let's be clear, no one handles the technical side of this better than Riot other than OGN right now, ironically. (laughs) There's no reason they should be having problems. This should be the golden age of League of Legends. I know we have that meme, and I know why it exists, and I get it. But that's where we should be. Everything should be going right. Everything has broken in such a way where if Riot made smart decisions based on long-term ideals, they could dominate in a way that we've never seen before. And instead, they're falling into a lot of the same plot holes that we've Mm -hmm. seen time and time and time again. And it's just a shame because those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And, you know, I'm glad I got the anger out half an hour ago (laughs) in real time. I don't know how much it's going to be when we edit out some of this stuff. But now I just, you know, what I'm left with is just, it's a shame. But you know what? I got to be honest with you. I'll put it like this. Uh, IEM Cologne and the World Cyber Arena are both next weekend. We're going to do preview podcasts for both. We're going to do an IEM Cologne preview. We're going to do a WCA preview. We actually have a mega cast planned for the WCA because it's such a big tournament for Heroes of the Storm. And when I'm watching that weekend, I'm going to be watching Heroes. And I don't say that because, you know, I, I think that Heroes is necessarily the better game or the better watching experience. Mm-hmm. But the way League of Legends has made me feel and the decisions they've made and, and what we're left with, I have more fun watching Heroes right now. And I never thought I'd say that. Ever, ever, ever in a million years. But that's where we are. And if I feel that way, having been a part of this League of Legends esports since the Season 1 World Championship, having followed it very closely since the end of Season 2, mm-hmm. I can't imagine what more casual viewers who just care about the esports, who just care about getting the best quality product, the people in, in Europe and the people in Korea who are being screwed over by these decisions time and again. I can't imagine how they're feeling about it. I, I, can't, I can't think that they're, uh, they're feeling too well. That's a podcast. I, you know, I wish that we had more optimism to give you guys. Um, it's, very, it's a very tough thing to talk about. Um, a lot of nuance but a lot of things that are good reasons to be disappointed, I think. And the key is in letting our voices be heard and helping Riot understand, not through memes, not through you know those kinds of actions, but by well-reasoned, well-articulated arguments as to why these flaws are not just bad for us, but bad for them. And hope that someone out there is listening and understanding and can do the right thing in the long run because <laughs> those regions deserve that. Walter, where can they find you if people want to hear more rants like this? 
over the next couple of weeks. You can see all of my world-ending Twitter predictions regarding League of Legends scene over at at C80s underscore LOL. That is at C-E-A-D-E-S underscore LOL. And I would like to give a shout out to Monte Cristo. I made a joke at earlier about him just being a shell uh, a shill and protecting riot and saying this is a great thing and i think he's only saying it because we hate best of ones so much i mm-hmm. think best of ones are terrible just yeah absolutely terrible it sucks e-sports. that we still have a spring of this but i would like to say he did get one little jab in at riot at the end of this and, and i'd like to read these tweets for you because i thought it was actually it, it kind of knocked my socks off mm-hmm. uh, what he said so uh th- the three tweets are I didn't notice a riot announcement of the second stream of LCS going to a different esports production company for esports growth. Funny. Surely MLG or ESL could support the production of stream number two in the summer split for the betterment of esports as a whole. I'm sure that announcement will come soon. <laughs> I thought that was perfect. I, I think that nothing could be more perfect. You know, actually, no, there's one thing that could be more perfect. You could follow us on iTunes at Esports Gambling Hour right now. <laughs> uh, I really like the way the Rough Drafts intro went in. If you guys liked it, uh, let me know at Twitter at, at RedShirtKing or to let Walter know because uh, we want to test this name and see what you guys think about it. Uh, you can also follow this podcast at SoundCloud.com slash Esports Gambling Hour. Probably going to have some changes coming soon to both of those things. But if you subscribe to both of those now, you'll be there whenever anything changes. And that's awesome. So just go do that. We will have the IEM Cologne podcast and the WCA Mega podcast preview next week. We're going to try to have an interview at the end of this week. I'm working on that now. Uh, I don't know what that's going to be yet. I'm still waiting for an answer. But we are we are working on things for you. And you know what? I just... I, I hope for anyone listening to this that you feel a, a greater sense of happiness than I have felt following League of Legends in the last week. Because after losing literally everyone on Rocket and the OGN and the LCS, I just wish for happiness for all of you back home. Because God knows we could use a break sometime soon from this crazy, mad, 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 mad esports world. And until then, goodbye, Internet.